You're listening to Parenting Through the Detour, Episode 27, How Parenting Detours Affect Your Marriage, with Amy Gianni. Howard W. Hunter said, Your detours and disappointments are the straight and narrow way back to Him. And we know that men and women are that they might have joy. But when you get taken on a parenting detour, it feels like joy is something that other people get to feel, but not you. It doesn't have to be this way. Join me on this podcast and let's find some joy through your detours. And I'll give you some help along the way. I'm your host, Tina Gosney, and I'm a life and relationship coach and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hi, friends. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm so glad that you're here, and I know you're going to absolutely love this episode with Amy Gianni. She is amazing. And like I say in my introduction that I give of her, she's my coach, she's my mentor, and I just have learned so much from her. And I know that you will too as you listen to this episode. And I think there's one thing that's pretty universal as I talk to parents And that is that the situations they find themselves in with their kids are creating some sort of conflict in their marriage. So they're finding themselves not on the same page as their spouse. And that also is adding to the stress of the situation that they're dealing with in their life. So we also work on marriage relationships as I'm coaching them on their relationships with their child. And if this sounds like you, if this sounds like something that you're dealing with or something that rings true for you, I want you to sign up for my Relationship Reset Workshop. It begins in January on the 13th. It's going to be Thursdays, and it's four weeks in a row. This workshop is going to be so great. And it doesn't just apply to parent-child relationships. It applies to marriage relationships or relationships with friends, or with coworkers. I mean, the things that I'm going to teach you will help you all around the board with whoever you are dealing with. So sign up for that workshop. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. And I am really looking forward to seeing you there. I know you're going to get so much value out of this workshop. And until then, enjoy this conversation that I had with Amy Gianni. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, so I'm here talking today about how parenting detours affect marriage. And I'm here with Amy Gianni. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and a life coach. And she happens to be one of my coaches and one of my mentors. I've attended several of Amy's trainings and they're just amazing. And I knew that when I decided to talk about marriage that and how that affects you know, our children's choices affect our marriage, that Amy was going to be a really good choice to come on and have a talk and a discussion about that. So she has a lot of valuable information and she's really tuned into couples and their challenges and to forming better and more intimate connections with each other, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in our life. So Amy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. Would you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah. So um, 
Like you said, I'm a marriage and family therapist and have been for many, many years. Um, and then a few years back, I added life coaching to my practice because I thought it just added such a great um, element and so many helpful tools. And so um, I work with individuals, I work with couples, and um, I love it. Relationships are my favorite thing to talk about, um, favorite thing to read about. Like I just can't get enough. Um, and then I also um, do trainings. Like you said, I offer an advanced relationship training for coaches, as well as I help run the coaching collective with my sister, Molly Claire. So we're kind of doing a few different things. Yes. And your trainings are amazing. Oh, thank you. And I have to agree with you about relationships. I think relationships, that's why I'm a relationship coach because they're my favorite thing to talk about too. And I think they're out of all the things that you can coach on, I think relationships, like if you don't have those as a strength in your life and as a strong foundation, that everything else just doesn't even matter. It just kind of falls apart if you don't have that strong foundation with, especially with your family relationships. Yeah. I agree because it's such a big part of our life that when that's out of sync, it just feels like everything is right. Yeah. Yeah. And when it is in sync and when you feel like that's a strength and something that you can count on, it feels like everything else is more manageable. Yes, absolutely. And they have studies that, that talk about that. And it's just so true. When you have that solid foundation of good relationships, not perfect relationships, no relationship is perfect, Mm -hmm. but when you have those secure relationships, you can face anything so much better, right? Yes. Yes. I totally agree. And I usually work with the wife, but not always. Sometimes I work with the, the husband or the father. And I've noticed though, that mothers tend to struggle when their child is taking a detour, when their child is doing, you know, unexpected, taking a hard left or however you want to define it, mm-hmm. um, that the mothers are usually the ones that struggle more than the fathers. And there's, you know, that saying like when mom's not happy, nobody's happy, mm-hmm. which is really true. It kind of carries over into the whole family. But why do you think that the mother struggles more than the father generally, yeah. not Every time, but generally that's usually what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there's some interesting things at play. I think, um, I mean, of course there's the biological bond that we have with our children, right? As mothers, I was just talking about this um, the other day with my girlfriend who's pregnant. We were talking about how, as soon as you even think you're pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. You love that baby so, so much. And you have this, um, biological connection to them, um, So there's that piece of it, but I think so much of it too is cultural expectations, because I think as moms, often we are told like, this is your job is to take care of this little human, right? You Mm -hmm. are their survival and that it's our job to raise them up the way we want them to be. Right. And so um, fathers of course, play such an important role an equally important role. But I think a lot of cultural pressure goes on to the moms that this is your divine calling. This is your, um, this is your role. This is your most important role. This is the thing that you need to succeed at the most. And then we have this expectation that if we just do it right enough, whatever that means, right. (laughs) That, um, that they're going to take on all of our values and they're going to make all the decisions the exact same way we would make the decisions. 
And so I think there's this cultural pressure and then we just internalize that and we make it mean all sorts of things about us, right? When our child does or doesn't do something. And so not only do we make it mean something about us, but but we also make it mean that if we don't do it right enough or the way we think we were supposed to, that our children are going to suffer because of what we have done. And I think as moms, that's one of the hardest things to to think about. I don't believe that that's true, but I think that's a lot of the faulty thinking that we take on, right? Yeah. And we don't want our, it's hard enough to see your children suffering Mm -hmm. and going through hard things, but then to think and have the idea that it was you that caused that. Yeah. Seems pretty unbearable. Yes. Yes. As a mom, there's nothing worse than that. And of course, none of that's true. Right. <laughs> we think but it, it feels is. so it true. It feels so moment. true. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I mean, this is kind of personal, but um, a couple years ago, I went through something with one of my boys and I remember feeling like a total failure. And this is me as a therapist and as a coach and knowing all of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I remember thinking, and I think I even said out loud, oh my gosh, I had one job and I blew it. Right. What, yeah. like, what a painful thought. Yeah. And of course that's not true, but I felt that way. That felt so true to me that I had failed my child. Um, and so I made it mean all sorts of terrible things about me, but, but even worse than that is because I'm inadequate. Now my child is suffering, right? Which again, mm-hmm. not true, but it felt so true. Yeah. And there's so much to unpack in what you just said. Yes. Right. (laughs) Because first of all, there's the idea that our child shouldn't suffer. Exactly. Which is not true. Mm -hmm. But then there's the idea that we can cause that suffering or that by some failing on our part that, you know, that one thing that we failed to do or the thing that we maybe missed when they were growing up and, and that is going to ruin the rest of their life because of Mm -hmm. us. Yeah. I don't think we have that much power, actually. No, we don't. Not at all. But for some reason, we think we do, right? Yeah. Yeah. How much of that do you think comes from maybe the messages that we get at church and the, you know, like you said, cultural expectations? I think there's such a strong culture in the church, and it's very focused on the things that you started that off with saying is that, you know, this is your job. This is your divine role. This is your most important job. How much of that do you think factors into that line of thinking? It's huge. I mean, I think it's most of it, honestly. And I think that it comes from a good place. It's meant to be very complimentary and um, Mm -hmm. empowering, but I think it actually has the opposite effect. Yeah. Especially when these kids, if you've had one, I I would say two children, but I think it only takes one mm-hmm. that you realize that they came to you mm-hmm. with a lot of things that you don't have any influence over. Yeah. They just come in a certain way. And to think that we have the power to affect their life and how they turn out is I think giving ourselves too much power in their lives mm-hmm. and it's not healthy for us or for our kids. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. Because when so, we take on all that responsibility, it takes it away from them. Yes. Right. And that's where it should be. Yeah. 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 And we don't allow them to 
to own their own choices, to own their con- the consequences of their choices. We want to take those away from them because we feel so guilty because we caused those problems in their lives. Yeah, right. And I always say, and this is what I had when I was going through this a couple of years ago, I had to keep reminding myself of my own advice, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is my job is to love my children and to teach them truth. Like that's mm-hmm. it, right? And I, and actually, yeah, it's those two things is to teach them truth and to just love them unreasonably, just be right yes. by their side. And that doesn't mean taking on responsibility or fixing things for them. Right. I mean, we can talk about all the things love does and doesn't mean, but but that's really my responsibility is to teach them truth and to just love them and be by Mm -hmm. their side um, as they go through life. And honestly, I think that's what God does for us. Right. I think so too. He gives us truth. He gives us true principles and teachings. And then he stands by our side and just loves us no matter what, no matter what decisions we make. He's Mm -hmm. right there. And so when I can remember that as a mom, that's really what my job is. I'm such a better mom. um, And I think it's so much better for my kids. Yeah. And it takes the pressure off of having to do it right. Mm -hmm. Having to be attached to to a certain outcome and a choice that maybe your child makes. Yeah. I remember a few years ago also when I was really struggling and I came to that same conclusion with one added thing, like if I can, if I can love and teach my kids, Mm -hmm. but then I also added on, um, I just want to show them an example of what it looks like Mm. to live the gospel and have a joy through that in my life. Beautiful. And I thought if I can do that, then I can be successful. All the other things I don't have a lot of control over, but I can control those things. Yes. You can control you, how you show up. And what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the husband has his struggles too mm-hmm. with a child's choices, but I think it shows up in different ways. Like lots of times the woman gets really emotional. She tries to, you know, do all the things to change the child and manipulate the situation and is right there in the thick of it. But sometimes the husband might just disengage mm-hmm. and and find solace in work or outside the home. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes he is just wanting so much for his wife to be happy that he's just doing anything that he can do just so that things will go back to the way he, he can have the wife that he used to have. Cause he doesn't mm-hmm. know how to deal with this emotional creature that he's now living with. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes he also is right there in trying to change the child So what advice would you have for a husband that was going through maybe the same situation? Oh, yeah, because you're right. They go through the same situation, but they each um, think about it differently and feel differently. Maybe some of the same feelings, right? But then they behave differently. And so sometimes it creates quite a divide, right? Between Mm -hmm. couples. Yeah. Um, And so I think you know, specifically for, well, for both partners, it's really making space for each other in the relationship to think and feel and act. um, However, you're thinking, feeling and acting about it, right. And Mm -hmm. not thinking that you need to change the other person or that the other person needs to do it exactly the way that you are doing it. And so I think when you can um, take time to really understand your spouse 
and how they are experiencing it with setting aside all judgment, I think that that, um, that can be a big help right there. That's such good advice because as, as you were saying, like, let them do it their way and the way that they understand it, it reminded me of like, when you bring home a brand new baby and the dad goes and changes the diaper for the first time. And the the mom's just like, that's not the way you should be doing it. This is the way you do it. And I think that just that whole mindset carries through so much in parenting. And when you get in times of stress or distress, you go back to like things like, no, my way is the right way. And you should be doing it this way. Yes. And not just in what you're doing, but how you're experiencing this. Yes. Like I'm experiencing it this way and he should be too, right? Yeah. Or Or he's not caring enough. Yes. Or assuming that because he's burying himself in work that he doesn't care when really he cares so much and is hurting so much that that's how he's dealing with it. Right. 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 It's all those assumptions that we make because we think, well, I'm experiencing it this way. So everyone should, or how else would you experience it? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So just being aware of those differences and loving each other enough to be able to set aside or not set aside, but just kind of pause for a minute and come out of your own pain to truly understand how your spouse is experiencing this, what's going on in their brain. Because I find that the things that we, that people do make perfect sense once you understand what's going on in their head, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we do make sense but we don't always know what's happening in people's heads. And so I think, um, and when we're in pain, it's really easy to be very self-focused and self-centered because we're hurting so much. But when you can set that aside and say, okay, I really want to find out what's going on for my spouse, what's happening in their head. How is he thinking about this or she, right? What is this like for them? And really putting the effort into finding out what that is, that makes a big difference. So how would someone go about doing that? Um, Well, I think it's having those hard conversations, right? And in a very loving way, because you might have a tendency to, to say, you know, well, why are you doing that? And why aren't you doing it? And this is, this is how I see it and wanting to share your view. But I think it's having that conversation of just saying, Hey, I really want to understand what's going on with you. I know we're both dealing with the same situation. And I want to hear what it's like for you and just opening space and being willing to listen and not talk, (laughs) just be quiet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. From a place of genuine love, like genuinely wanting to understand their side of it, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Mm -hmm. Right. Even if you think, well, that's silly. Well, why would you react that way? I would never do that. Right. Keep all that quiet. Just let that chatter quiet down in your brain. Um, and really just listen. I think that's how you have to do it is just have the conversation. Yeah. And I like how you said, like from a place of genuine love, like I just want to understand. And that concept of holding space is not something that I really understood until I became a coach mm-hmm. and we'll, so we'll started getting into coach um, the training. And it's really just like leaving your judgments aside and letting the other person express what they need to express, have their emotions, have their ideas without you inserting your judgments or opinions upon that. Yes. Without the agenda of like, well, okay, I'm going to listen to my spouse and then convince them that it should be this way instead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You set aside all those judgments, like you said, and the agenda of 
making anything different. Mm-hmm. And that is something that's really tricky to do, especially when it feels like the stakes are so high. Like this is our child we're talking about. Like yes. there's no more important person in our life than our child. And, and I have to have you on the same page as me. So mm-hmm. setting aside those judgments or setting aside that, like, I need this outcome can be a really tricky place to come to. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely takes some emotional maturity to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so worth doing. Yes. Yes, it is for so many, you know, and I love how you use that word, uh, the term emotional maturity, because we tend to to assume, I guess, that by the time you're an adult, that you're actually emotionally mature, but that's (laughs) not the case (laughs) most of the time. And it takes these life circumstances and dealing with them in a mature way like this Mm -hmm. to develop that emotional maturity. Yes. Yeah. And I think also with emotional maturity, we'll have some places where where we are able to be emotionally mature and then other times where we slip right back into emotional Mm -hmm. immaturity, right? It's not something that you arrive at. It's something that... um, you can get better at, and hopefully you spend more time in maturity than immaturity, but you still kind of go back and forth, I think. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And yeah, I like that because it's not just a linear line. It is something that that you just continually work on and get better at. Mm -hmm. And you'll catch yourself in emotional immaturity and be like, oh yeah, there, I did that thing again. Okay. But I know how to do it differently. And that now I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it differently. Well, and even if you did show up as emotionally immature and to look back at it and say, yeah, that's not really how I wanted to show up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the maturity part of you can kick in and go back and say, Hey, I'm sorry. Yes. Let's try that again. Yes. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't my best self when I was talking to you before. Let's try to have this conversation again. That is a beautiful example of emotional maturity, like being willing and able to apologize mm-hmm. and take another shot at it. Yeah. 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 I think so often we're not wanting to apologize, even mm-hmm. for this, just the smallest part that we might have in mm-hmm. a situ- in contributing to a situation. Yeah. And I love how you say small part, because we might look at something and say, well, it was mostly that person's fault. Mm-hmm. So I shouldn't have to apologize. Right. But the more that we can own our role in things, the more power we have to make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we can't change anything if we're victims to something or not taking responsibility. But the more we take responsibility and own our part, um, the more room there is for change, for us to instigate change in ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And always, I think, looking at yourself and saying, okay, I don't really like this situation right now. What have I done that's contributed to where we are? And even if it's like 5%, Mm -hmm. just own that 5%. Yeah. That's always the place to start is in the mirror. (laughs) Not where we like to start. It's the hardest place to start. (laughs) (laughs) It's so much easier to point the finger at someone else and say, yes, different. But it's always the first place to go is, okay, what am I contributing to this? What's my role in it? Because sometimes, even if your role is 5%, sometimes changing that 5% has enough effect on the system as a whole that 
it changes everything. It changes the dynamics of the interaction, mm-hmm. right? Now, not always, it doesn't always fix everything, but it's a, definitely the place to start. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer in when you work on yourself and you come to up-level yourself, that that automatically will carry over into the people in your life. And you give them the opportunity then to up-level themselves. And whether or not they do, you've still changed the experience that you're having in your own life and in your own relationships. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people think of working on yourself as being selfish or self-centered, but it's Mm -hmm. actually the best gift you can give not only you, but those around you, like you said, because when you're showing up as a better version of you, it's better for everyone. It's better for not only the people that are you're close to, but it's better for the community. It's better for the world. Right. 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 It just ripples out all that, all that effect of you working on yourself. Yeah. And I think just, this is just a side note, but I think especially as women, we push ourselves aside and we work, we spend all of our time and resources and energy and even my, our mind power in giving to everybody else. And we don't allow ourselves to give ourselves time to work on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we're doing everyone a disservice when we don't. Yeah. And it's just not efficient, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the most efficient is like, start with you and then let the ripple effect take place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But sometimes that seems so counterintuitive. I know. I it know. It seems like we should be helping everyone else. <laughs> yep. Put ourselves last and just help everyone else. Yeah. When it's yeah. actually the opposite. Yeah. And sometimes in your marriage, like when, even if you're on the same page or not, you know, you don't want to go, you have these issues with your child and you don't really want to just verbally vomit all over your emotions on top of your child, because that is going to damage that relationship. So you go and you do it to your spouse instead mm-hmm. and you hope they're going to agree with you and they don't often agree with you. And I think that's just like another way of making room for that spouse to have a different opinion. Um, but how do you use like that time to connect with your spouse rather than to have it create more distance between you when you are just like, okay, how can we come on to be on the same page? Like, how do we create more connection with our spouse rather than disconnection? Yeah. Well, I think part of it too, is what we were just talking about as far as owning things, right? Because you're saying you don't want to just vomit all of it all over your child. Um, but you also don't necessarily want to vomit it all over your spouse either, right? You definitely Mm -hmm. want to come together and have discussions, but part of it is the emotional maturity of you being like, okay, maybe I'm going to vomit all of this out on paper first. I'm going to like (laughs) write it all down, take a look at it. I'm going to sort through some of it myself. Um, And then once I'm in a little bit clearer, cleaner place mentally, then I, I do want to have these conversations with my spouse. And I think the way that you have those conversations to bring you closer and not drive you farther apart is, um, is letting go that there's a right and a wrong way to deal with these things or to think about it or to feel about them. And it's just making space for both of you so that you can have an opportunity to share, here's what's going on with me. And, 
and taking responsibility because I think sometimes we have a tendency to say, here's what's going on with me. And this is your fault. If you would just see it, like I saw it, I wouldn't be in so much pain. Right. So again, that's the most emotional maturity of saying, gosh, here's what's going on with me. And I'm thinking this way and feeling this way, but not blaming or expecting the spouse to fix it for you. And then, you know, allowing space for them to share their experience of it as well, but just letting go of the right and wrong, or, you know, it has to be this way. I think think that's some of the most painful. um, Those are some of the most painful thoughts that we have. Um, They just create so much um, agony for us in our lives. Yeah. And, and having that, like, I have to be right about this means somebody else has to be wrong. Mm-hmm. It just creates that tug of war where you're like, nobody wins. Somebody's going to f- end up flat on their face. Yes. <laughs> if one person, which can be you, just lets go of that rope, then you let go of that need to that push and pull. Yeah. And it just allows that to not become a competition at that time. Yeah. Or to have to have someone have to be wrong. I remember um, when I was in the thick of this with one of my kids and, and, and I was really very like emotional all the time, not making the best choices, saying the best things, not showing up great in my marriage, but I felt like my husband and I were like, we're on the same page. And then there was one day when I was talking to my child and I went too far and I said some things I shouldn't have said, And my husband turned to me and he said, you are out of line. You need to calm down. And I felt so betrayed (laughs) in that Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. I felt like then right at that moment, I am completely alone. Mm. And I felt so betrayed. And it took me like I had to go take a step back. Mm -hmm. And I think I actually left the house for a few hours because I just couldn't even be in the house anymore. Um, But I left the house for a few hours and just being able to maybe physically remove yourself from a situation so that you can try to gain a better perspective, calm your, calm your nerves down, mm-hmm. um, calm your emotions down so that you can begin seeing things maybe from somebody else's point of view. Yeah. And that we weren't really at that point, it wasn't like he was siding with her. That's what it felt like. It allowed me to say, come back and say, okay, let's all be on the same page here and let's look at it together as a team instead of like us versus them or me versus you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we'll talk about um, sitting on the same side of the table, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever you have something difficult to discuss rather than thinking of yourselves as across from each other, but like, Hey, let's sit next to each other on the same side of the table and look out at this problem together and see what perspective each of us brings because we'll eat, we're each going to bring a different perspective. And when you can make space for all of that, that's what will bring you together and help you get towards a resolution because then you're not trying to figure out who's right or who's wrong, but it's more like us against the problem, right? Yeah. And then, then it's like, okay, how are we going to problem solve through this together? Here's what I bring. What do you bring? Yeah. I love that visual of sitting on the same side of the table. And also maybe your child is sitting on the same side of the table with you. Yes, absolutely. Because you don't want to turn your child into that thing that you're looking at as the problem. No, no, no. No. Yeah. Because the child (laughs) isn't the problem, right? Yeah, absolutely. Child is on the same team as you. So it's all three of you sitting together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
working yeah, together. Even if it feels like the child doesn't want to be there sitting with you at that table, mm-hmm. you can visually still think that they're sitting there and we're going to solve this together. Yeah. We're going to work through this together. Okay. Much more effective way. And I think a loving way to, to look at the issues that we deal with in our families. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and speaking of, um, you know, like right or wrong, getting caught in that whenever I think things um, are mutually exclusive, or I notice my brain going there, that it has to be one way or the other. I love to just ask myself the question, how can both of these exist at the same time? Right? Like mm-hmm. um, how, how are both of us right? Or what, what parts of this um, can coexist? Because I think when we can change to looking at it that way, so many more possibilities open up. Yes. Right. It doesn't have to be one or the other, but it's like, how are we both right about this? Mm-hmm. Even though we have very different opinions that might look like they're mutually exclusive, how are we both right? Yeah. Because our brains want to go to it's either all this or it's either all that. Yeah. But very rarely is that true. Correct. Yeah. And it's so much not more all or nothing. Very no. few things are black and white. Right. Even though we want to make them black and white, Mm -hmm. it's not really effective in our families to deal with things as black and white. Yeah. But to look at like, how can these both be true? Mm -hmm. And how can we make both of us or both of our opinions as right? And how can we work together? Yeah. Because that's what moves you forward. You both bring different pieces, but once you put it together, that's what gets you moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's what Heavenly Father wants us to do is to mm-hmm. figure out things together so that we can move forward. Yes, absolutely. Because it's all about progression and mm-hmm. we need each other to progress. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes though, it's the child that's pitting the spouse, one spouse against another, or like putting a spouse in between a relationship with the child and one parent. So I have coached several people who like they're the goal between, between their child and the other parent, mm-hmm. because there's such a rift in the relationship with one parent, mm-hmm. that the one that still has that, um, you know, cordial or, uh, functioning relationship with the child feels like they're the go between or that they're the confidant on either side. And it just feels really, it feels like that's a terrible place to be Yeah, because they are both asking you and confiding in you sometimes information and saying, don't share this with that kid or don't share this with, you know, dad or -hmm. whatever. So in those situations, I mean, what are the ramifications if you find yourself in that situation? Yeah. I think anytime somebody's in the middle, it's requiring them to choose one over the other. Right. And that is a terrible place to be, to ever feel like you have to choose your spouse or your child, you want to be able to choose both of them. And um, so I think there are a lot of ramifications because if you end up keeping things from your spouse that your spouse really should know, that's going to erode trust, right? And it may in the moment feel like it's the right thing to do for whatever reason, but down the road, it's never the right thing to do because you want to make sure that you and your spouse have that partnership and that friendship, in place. So you don't want to do anything that's going to erode that. Um, and as far as the child, um, 
you don't want to erode the relationship with them either. And so you don't ever want to go behind their back. Like if your child says, you know, don't tell dad, um, you don't want to just run and, and tell your husband um, mm-hmm. without letting the child know. So you'd want to say something like, you know, let's talk about why do you not want your dad to know? Let's, let's talk about that first of all. And how do you think you could tell him? Maybe you, maybe you support rather than you telling, right. You help support the child and knowing how they can tell eventually, even if it doesn't happen immediately, it's something that you could work toward. Um, because I see that happen sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So what if the, it's maybe not a, like, don't tell dad this, but what if it's a, yeah, I don't want to talk to him and have a relationship with him. So I'm just going to let you communicate for me Mm. to him. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That puts you in a tough spot, right? Yeah. And so I think as the mom, you have to decide what role do you want to play here? And I don't think it's a great idea to try to always, I mean, you want to help facilitate a relationship, but not take responsibility for it right? Because ultimately it's your spouse's job to have a relationship with the child and the child to have a relationship with their father. I hear I'm just speaking from the mom's point of view, right? Right. Um, but I think handing some of that um, back to them, or even like in that specific case where you said, they've said, you know, I'm not going to tell, I'm going to have you tell, you can just be very um, explicit about, okay, the things that you tell me, I am going to share with your dad because you know, he's your dad and, and we're responsible for you. Um, but it is a tricky spot to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just trying to bring the two sides together so that there's not that rift. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to give you a really specific example and let's see how we can apply this concept. Let's say that there's a spouse is put, like just say the mother is put in the middle of a, a situation with a child and a husband or a father that are not, they don't have a great relationship and they don't want to communicate with each other. So she wants to bring the two together and she's feeling very torn in the middle. What would you tell that woman, that mother? Yeah. So I would help her take a look at what's going on for her because she's thinking this is about them. And and it goes back to this as moms, we feel so responsible for everything, right? And we think we have to fix everything. And so she's probably feeling like it's her job to connect her child and her spouse to each other so they have a relationship, but she really can't do that. She can love both of them and she can show up as the best version of her, but she cannot create a relationship between the two of them. Um, And it's probably a lot of her own discomfort with them not having a relationship. So one question I would ask is, so what's the problem if they don't have a relationship? Right. Mm -hmm. And she might be horrified and be like, what are you talking about? I mean, that's their, you know, parent child, they have to have a relationship, but, but what's the problem for you, mom? Why is it an issue for you if they don't have a relationship and really go into that thinking and take a look at her issues with that? Because that's really all she can do. Right. Yeah. And that's such a counterintuitive way to think as a mom. You're right. Yes. Because as moms, we're used to over-functioning. That's what we do. Yes. (laughs) Right. We think it's our job to take care of everybody. Everybody. Yes. And so the more that we over-function, the more it allows others to under-function. 
right? So whether we talk about it as over-functioning or being over-responsible, when we take on all this responsibility, then there's none left for anyone else to take, right? So it's really a matter of stepping out of that and saying, okay, what am I responsible for? I'm responsible for me. And I do want to help facilitate to some level, but where is that line? And then what am I going to let go of and allow them to take it from there? I mean, if my spouse wants a relationship with our child, it's his job. If our child wants a relationship with their father, that's our child's job. Yeah. And just looking at it down the road from that, if she, if a mother stayed in that same position of being in the middle, what's the quality of that relationship with between the father and the child? I mean, there's not much quality right. there. It's not a genuine relationship. Right. Right. It's the mom always facilitating it. Um, and yeah, it's not a genuine relationship. It's not going to be a solid connection because it's yeah. not genuine. Yeah. So in that situation, it's up to them to form that relationship because that's where the true connection happens. Yeah. And that's when a relationship can be strengthened is when it's authentic on both sides. Yes. There isn't a mediator in between. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Such good. That's such a good thing to think about. What do you think gets in the way of healing? Because our hearts get broken as parents. You know, we, we have these stories that we write for our families and for our kids when they're little and then and then stories change when the kid begins, you know, they start writing their own story for their own life. And it can really feel like your heart is broken sometimes. So mm-hmm. how do you go about healing broken hearts when a family member, maybe it, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child, but when those choices take you to a place where you don't want to be? Yeah. Well, let's start with um, what you said first, right? Which is what gets in the way of this. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the things that get in the way are these rigid scripts that we have that life is supposed to be a certain way or that our children need to do A, B, C, and D in order to be successful or to be happy or, um, you know, our marriage needs to look a certain way. It's, it's really letting go um, of all of those expectations. And it doesn't mean that you can't have desires Um, and things that you want for your life, but it's really letting go of the black and white thinking, because I think black and white thinking absolutely gets in the way of healing. Um, I also think uncontrolled negative emotion really gets in the way. Um, And I say uncontrolled because we're all going to experience negative emotion and negative emotion actually isn't a problem. It doesn't feel good, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not actually a problem. The problem is when we react to negative emotion, which looks like blaming, right? Um, Blaming other people um, or yelling and screaming or however it is that you react to a negative emotion, or maybe it's um, stonewalling or withdrawing, right? Those are the kind of things that get in the way, holding grudges, refusing to talk about things, um, or even blaming yourself that gets in the way too, right? Yeah. And that's what we as moms are super good at. Like I said, in the very Very beginning, right? When I was like, I had one job and I blew it, right? That was me totally blaming myself. Uh That gets in the way of healing. When we just continue to take on more responsibility than is actually ours, that gets in the way of healing. And um, 
I think the best thing to facilitate healing, and I know this might sound silly. My husband always kind of makes fun of me because I always say, love is the answer. Love's always the answer. So something will happen. It'll be like, let me guess. Love is the answer. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you're right. <laughs> it is. But um, asking yourself the question, what's the most loving thing I can do given this situation? The mm-hmm. most loving thing to myself, the most loving thing to my child, the most loving thing for my spouse. What does that look like? Because it's not, if something is loving towards someone else, but it's not loving to me, it's not loving overall, right? Yes. Yes. It has to be able to be loving to everyone involved. Um, And sometimes love means boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes love means saying no to things. Um, Love is forgiveness. Love is allowing space for others to think and feel and behave differently than you do. Love is being patient and allowing time because time makes a difference with healing, right? Yes. So it's, it's patience. Um, and it's, it's patience, not only with time, but patience with um, allowing things to be messy, right? Those are some of the things I would think of. I love that. And I love that messiness. Life is just messy sometimes. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes messier than others. Yes. Yes. I'm thinking true. of my house right now that we're in the middle of like putting out Christmas decorations and it's pretty much a mess. Yes. You know? Yep. Um, but allowing that mess to be okay. Yeah. That nothing has gone wrong. I think that's when healing can happen is when we can let go of all of these preconceived ideas of what everything is supposed to look like and give ourselves space that n- nothing has gone wrong. It may not be exactly how we want it, mm-hmm. but I can, I can be with the mess. And the idea, because when, when things are messy, we want to like sweep it under the, well, we want to clean it up and fix it. And if we can't, we want to sweep it under the rug so we don't have to look at it. But yeah. life is really about learning how to live in the mess right? And still find joy and be happy. And I think that we can do that. Yes. Right. We can have joy amid all the challenges. And I think that's one of the beautiful gifts that God has given us is um, he knew what we would face when we came here. He knew it would be messy and ugly and all of the challenges. And I'm actually not a believer that God gives us challenges. And I know maybe this is just like a um, language or way of saying it, Mm-hmm. But I don't think that he gives us challenges. I think he just allows them. He knew we were coming to a fallen world. And I think it breaks his heart, honestly, when he sees our hearts breaking, but he was willing to let it happen. And then he stands right by our side and he's put everything in place for us to experience joy along the way. Yeah. And as you said, like, I think his heart breaks as he sees us go through these challenges. And what you said earlier was that we experience negative emotion and it's not a problem. He might be the perfect example of that Mm -hmm. in that he allows himself to experience emotions that he would rather not have because he knows that it's for our, that we're here doing our work, moving towards where we need to be in our own progression. Yeah. And he's willing to allow that to happen And hopefully we can be willing to allow that to happen to our children, right? And for ourselves too. And for ourselves, yeah. Yeah. 
I think in the church, we get so caught up on having this perfect family Mm -hmm. and that, that very idea gets in our way over and over again is that we think our family, I did all these things I was supposed to do. And now I'm supposed to get this perfect family back. And that's just actually a vending machine family, right? That's a vending machine relationship. And that's not how this life works. Not how it works at all. No. Well, the title of this podcast comes from a quote by Howard W. Hunter. And he said, your detours and disappointments are the straight and narrow way back to him. So what blessings do you see are possible for a family that's been taken on a detour and has experienced some disappointment? Yeah, well, and I think all families experience detours and disappointment, right? None of us are immune from that. Um, but it, it is those things, and I know we hear this a lot, but it is those things that bring us closer to God. Um, because we want help so bad and we want direction and we want comfort and we turn to him and then we receive so many, so many blessings. Um, and just all these things that we've been talking about of, of learning along the way that life is messy. Um, I think that is a blessing for us, right? Because then we're able to handle the messes so much better because we're letting go of all of the other expectations. I think there are great blessings for family members to really know each other better, right? Because when we set aside all of the um, perception of having everything have to be perfect and we go through something messy, um, we really have the opportunity to learn about our spouse, to learn about our children, what's going on in their heads, how are they thinking about things? That's a great blessing. That brings connection and intimacy um, as we hold space for each other, um, and just allowing people to be on their own journey. I think that helps us become more like Christ, more like Mm -hmm. our savior, right? It helps us progress. Um, and I think, you know, God has everything mapped out. We can't surprise him, right? There's nothing we can do. (laughs) He's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, as we go through these detours, recognizing that the detours really are the way, they are the path, and nothing has gone wrong. And I think that helps bring the blessing of peace into our life, honestly, because as Mm -hmm. we let go of all the expectations and the preconceived ideas, that's where we're truly able to find peace. Yes, because we all come with these lenses that we see the world through. And when we just adjust our lenses a little bit, to expect it to not be perfect, to expect some detours, some disappointments, and not think that anything's gone wrong because of them. I think it allows our ability to handle those and to work our way through them better and to allow ourselves to come to God through those same experiences. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a beautiful discussion. I have loved talking with you today, Amy. Is there anything yet that we haven't covered yet that you think that would be beneficial on this topic? I think for us as moms, um, because I know it's it's mostly moms that you work with, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it's really, really just a matter of believing that you have everything that you need inside of you um, to be the best kind of mom that you can be for the children that are sent to you. Because I really do believe that um, our kids are sent specifically to us, not because we're perfect, 
but we are the quote unquote perfect mom for our child. And we don't always feel that way. Mm -hmm. Right. But when we can get to that belief that um, me, me being me and being a mom, the way that I, the best way that I know how, even though I'm going to make mistakes along the way is the exact kind of mom that my child needs. They didn't get sent to the wrong house (laughs) or to the wrong family. Right. Um, But having that belief in yourself, I think changes everything for you. Yes. And I don't know of a mom that hasn't said at one time or another, like my kids would just be better off with a different mother. Mm -hmm. So that's such great advice to, to think about that way. Like, no, these children were sent to you because you were the one that heavenly father thought would be the perfect mother for that child. Yeah. And everything's been put in place, not only for me as the mom, but for my child, right? Because I'm there, but not only am I there to help my child, but God is there. It's his child, (laughs) (laughs) right? He, he's he's the only one that loves them more than we do. And and he's there also. And so I think it's really trusting in the process of life, Mm. which is really hard to do, right? Beautiful. Love it. Okay. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you and work with you further, how do they do that? Yeah. So you can go to my website, which is amygiani.com and it's A-I-M-E-E um, is how I spell Amy. So amygiani.com. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's amygiani.ms and I um, post things there on Instagram. Um, but on my website, you can go and sign up for my waiting list. I do have a quite a waiting list for um, one-on-one, but I am getting ready to start a small group. So if you're interested in that, you can go um, sign up on my website and I will give you all the information when that's ready. Okay, great. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. So they can just go to the link in that in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so fun. You're oh, good. Good. I really love this conversation and I appreciate all your time and your experience and your wisdom that you shared with us so fun. Thank you for having me.